Hi, I'm Dr. Michael Wesley, Senior Pastor of Greater Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. Our mission is to reach, teach, and baptize throughout the world, beginning in our community, fulfilling the Great Commission by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit until Jesus returns. That simply means we're here to reach irreligious people and turn them into lifelong devoted followers of Jesus, equip them for a place of service in the church, and send them out on a mission for Christ in the world. We're glad you're with us today. I command blessings on you and your family today. Expressing our hearts. We give God praise because He deserves it. Earth, earth is a dry run for heaven. And if heaven is going to be a place where we're going to praise God forever and ever, then we got to practice on earth. Give God praise. Will you join me now in a moment of prayer as we ready our hearts for the word. Holy Father, we thank you now for the privilege. Thank you for our youth who have led, who have given them themselves. And we pray for their lives that you will cover them and continue to grow in them and grow through them and lead them as you would have them go. Father, we pray for each person who here today for part of this worship experience and opportunity. Thank you for songs and scripture and prayers. But we need a word now. We pray that you would lift again your human out of self. Fill us with the Holy Spirit. Speak to us and through us in this moment. Bless now the words that are in our mouth and the meditations that are on our heart. It may be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, our strength and our redeemer. We ask it now in the name of your son, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to conclude this um, little brief introductory kind of way of introducing the new year with ideas and thoughts that will help for the new year. We've addressed the need to make a fresh start and we gave you an acronym start on what that means and then the second time we talked about stop crying over spilt milk 
And then last time we talked about the need to pray. And pray that God would bless us indeed. But this morning I want to especially focus for youth not only here, but youth everywhere. I want to especially speak to the nation's youth, people everywhere, because this is truth that is needed. So the message this morning will come from the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, the 11th chapter, beginning in the 11th chapter, verses 9 and 10, and going into chapter 12. It will encompass the text all the way down to verse 7 of chapter 12, but in your hearing, now read three verses, 9, 10, of chapter 11 and verse 1 of chapter 12. Hear ye the word of the Lord. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in days of thy youth. And walk in the ways of thine heart, and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou, that for all these things, God will bring thee into judgment. Therefore, remove sorrow from thine heart and put away evil from thine flesh. For childhood and youth are vanity. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. While the evil days come not, nor the years, while the evil, when, they, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. This is the word of God for the people of God. I'm talking today, the sermon title is Real Talk. That's what I'm talking about, Real Talk. Real talk is, is an expression that has become popular in America today, and it is really a term to emphasize the conversation is honest, and it's straightforward, and it's addressing serious matters. So it has become, in our idiomatic expression, a colloquial phrase that is popular in both the casual and informal context. Real talk talks about or signifies a frank, sincere conversation. And that's what I want to do today. I want to talk to young people, not just you that's in here, but people who not, don't even know they're here. But they'll get it because we're going to put it out there. Somebody need to tell the truth. Somebody need to talk straight to today's youth. The challenges are real. And a generation has come, or several generations have come up that don't know the Lord. And we're seeing the repercussions of it. We're seeing the evidences of it through the wild lives that are being destroyed every day. And we just continue to stand around and just look and nobody says anything. They ain't saying nothing at church. Ain't nobody saying nothing at school. Nobody saying nothing at home. So the young people just continue. 
and think it's okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. You're, you're destroying yourselves. You're destroying this nation. And, and there's going to be a whole lot of people that's going to end up in a place they, they're not going to want to be. But unless somebody say, pump the brakes and hear you the straight talk, then we will continue. The, the, the text is set for us by Solomon. Solomon is the, the son of David. Solomon became the king in Israel following David's long 40-year reign. David, you know, was a good king. He was a man after God's own heart and highly revered. He was the champion of Israel. He did for Israel what no other king before or after him was able to do. David solidified Israel's northern and southern borders. He expanded their eastern and western coast. He took back lands from the Philistines that had been taken. David was a good king. But when David died, David had several wives, so he had several sons that were competing for the job. But he had made a promise to Bathsheba. You do remember Bathsheba. That was the beautiful girl that he saw skinny dipping. And, and he summoned her unto himself. And, and uh, they had the first child, but God wouldn't let that child live. But he married Bathsheba after Uriah, her husband, was dead. And they had another son. And that son was Solomon. And when David was old, David made a, a promise to Bathsheba that her son, Solomon, would sit on the throne in Jerusalem and rule thereafter. Now Solomon at first was, was eager. You know, David was a good-looking man. He was, he was. And you know Bathsheba was a 10. So Solomon was, was a good-looking man. He was tall. He was dark. He was handsome. He had all of the physical features. But what else he had? He, he became the wisest man. To ever live. Why? Because when he was inaugurated and crowned king, he went to Gibeah and he prayed. He asked God for, for wisdom to be able to handle the responsibility. And he asked God for understanding that he may be able to judge the people rightly. And, and God heard his prayer and God answered him. And God said, because you did not ask for the heads of your enemies... And because you did not ask for wealth for yourself, I'm going to give it all to you. I'm going to make you the wisest man that has lived up to this point in your life. And I'm going to make you richer than most, richer than them all. Now, David had already done a good job. He had stockpiled a lot of money because he wanted to build a house for God. But God told David, you can't do it because you're a man of war. But I'll let your son do it. So Solomon inherited a stockpile. And then God blessed him. And so Solomon here is near the end of his days. And, and, and he's writing this letter that's called uh, Ecclesiastes, which means the preacher. He calls himself the Colette, the preacher. And he's passing on the wisdom that he has gained as a result of a lifetime of experiences. So Solomon gives us real talk. Straightforward, sincere, honest, in your face kind of understanding. 
What he concludes is that, that all of life, no matter what you do, all of it is summed up as being vanity. It, it really is empty. You, you, can, you can go wherever you want to go. You can do whatever you want to do. You can work wherever you want to work. At the end of the day, it really doesn't mean a whole lot. That's what he concludes. But he also gives us some other important nuggets uh, along the journey there. Paul, uh, Solomon starts this thing off by saying, first and foremost, life is endless. Generations come and generations go. There's an empty cycle of life. I mean, people come, people live, people die. People come, people live, people die. And it goes on generation after generation after generation. And, and, and he says to us, too, in his straight talk, he said, there is nothing new under the sun. Can, 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 I, can I start now where I want to talk? Can I, can I help young people today understand that you're not the first hot mama? <laughs> there, there have been hot mamas in every generation. And, 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 and you, you didn't invent the short dress. There have been girls, even in the day when people required that the dress be below the knee, they were still hemming them and taking them up. Even when girls had to pass inspection to get out of the house, to go to school, they would have another outfit in their purse or in their book bag. So once they got past the inspection at home, then they put on their other clothes. <laughs> Hello, somebody that you know is the truth. Fashions are nothing new. Hairstyles are nothing new. Uh, clothing are nothing new. They, they, they come in season. They come in style for a while. They go out of style and they come right back. You know, one time men wore ties. Another time men didn't wear ties. One time men wore belts. All men wore belts except black men and prisoners. And that's what young people today don't understand. You think sagging is new? They wouldn't let black men wear belts so their britches sagged. They called them boy. And they put other kinds of imposing situations on them. When people went to prison, they wouldn't let them wear a belt because they may hang somebody. So their pants sagged. Police love it when your pants sag because they know you can't run from them. You can't run with your britches down your leg. <laughs> Nothing new. So Solomon says, look, I, I want you to know my life story. I set out to study. I wanted to know what in life really satisfied. So I put my head to the books. I wanted to know whether knowledge was better. And he concludes, he said, yes, it's better to be wise than to be a fool. And, and, and he goes on to say, and I, and I, I wanted to find out what was fun. Uh, was it more fun to be happy or to be mad all the time? And he said, I found out it was fun to be happy. He said, I put my hand to pleasure. You think pleasure is new? You think what you're doing is new? You think you got new game? You're the only one in town that have ever dealt with it? Listen, baby, people in every generation have always sought pleasure. Matter of fact, in, in God's decree to Adam and Eve, he told them be fruitful, multiply, and subdue the earth. So he intended for there to be a level of pleasure in the earth just in the right context. 
but people have always exploited it and taken it to a whole nother level. And that's what's happening today. So people have, have just taken what's always been around and just put it in another context. But it's not new. You're not the first one with a bull. They've been having bulls from the beginning. The first man, Adam and, Adam and Eve, were one couple. But by the time you're in Genesis chapter 2, chapter 3, you come up upon a man named Lamech. And Lamech has two wives. Where you get that from? He was just taking it to another level. Man, I was telling him this morning, man, I remember reading, man, when I was coming along about Wilk Chamberlain. Wilk Chamberlain was something. He was a basketball player, seven foot, over seven foot. But the thing about Wilk Chamberlain that they wrote in the, in the books was that Wilk Chamberlain had been with a hundred women. And that was something to hear. But read over here and see what Solomon says about pleasure. Solomon said, Wilk wasn't nobody to match me. He said, I had a thousand women, 300 wives, and 700 concubines. Now, 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 I, I, I asked him to count with me this morning. Now. It ain't been 365 days in a year. And, and, and if you were with a different woman each day, it would be three and a half years before you got back to the same woman again. And she wasn't going to hear I got a headache tonight. <laughs> So I want you to understand, pleasure was nothing, is nothing new. This man sought it all. He said, oh, I wanted to try building. I wanted to see what privilege and pleasure comes from building. And I built buildings. I built skyscrapers. I, uh, I built gardens. I built everything. And I found out that it's all vanity. He said, I love music, so I got me male singers, and I got me female singers. I put choruses together, and even that was all vanity. And, and he says, he says, there's a time and a purpose for everything under the sun. A time to be born, and what? A time to die. A time to laugh, a time to cry or mourn. And, 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 and one of the problems I see in today's society is that people don't even know when it's appropriate to do what. You got, you got people laughing at, at times when they should be serious and, and cracking jokes and, and doing all kinds of undermining things. People are booing when they should be applauding. People have just gone crazy, have taken the rules of life and society and turned them upside down. And they wonder why people look at them funny. It's because no one gives them the straight talk. Somebody every now and then needs to say, that's inappropriate. Sit down. Shut up. Listen. But we don't want to get that straight talk because we're trying to be buddies. We're trying to be pals. Today's world, girls and mamas are dating the same guy. God. It's true. This is straight, real, real talk. It's real, straightforward. It's, it's cutting. It's not always popular, but it's the truth. It's what we see. And we continue to see it because no one wants to have the courage to speak the truth. But, but Solomon concludes that everything ultimately is in God's hands. And, and that's, that's good news. So he says... <clears throat> 
And he gives us some, some straight talk in, in what I've laid out for the text for the morning. He gives us four things. And I'm going to make it easy for you. I'm going to use the letter R just to help you keep it simple. Put a handle on it, suitcase, and you can carry it with you. The, the, the first R that, that, that Solomon says is rejoice. He said in verse 9 of chapter 11, he said, rejoice, O young man, in thy youth. What, what, what is he saying? He's saying that youth is supposed to be the time of your life. You, you, have, you have unlimited amounts of energy to be able to enjoy yourself. God has made this beautiful world and provided vast amounts of opportunity, but you're not using the youth, your youth to enjoy. Instead of youth in today's world being full of joy and energy and, and, and doing good things with their life, people are wasting their lives. Do you understand that young people are not enjoying life? Do you, do you know what the statistics are that have been documented for young people's lives today? That 44% of young people in school feel sad and depressed much of the time. And as a result, mental health has risen to the, its new heights because 33% of the students have reported at least thinking about suicide at least once. And the number one killer or cause of death on college campuses today is suicide. Why? Because young people are not happy. Because they don't know how to rejoice. They don't know how to enjoy the use of these youthful energies and this time of life. Man, when I was a kid, I enjoyed I was footloose and fancy free. I didn't have a worry in my world. I didn't have no house note. I didn't have no car note. I didn't have to buy groceries. I didn't have to pay bills. That was mama and them responsibility. My job was to be free. I could go and I could have a little pot over here, <laughs> a little pot over there. <laughs> yeah. You, you're supposed to enjoy the portion of life where there's the energy to do it and the zeal and the thrill. You're supposed to enjoy it. But God also wants that he, 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 while he wants you to have a good time doing your youth, he also warns you, don't lose sight of the judgment. See, the judgment is it's not there to, to frighten us, but it was there to, to help us to understand you can't go too far. You, you can have a good time, but, but understand that you're going you're gonna to pay a price for certain things if you do it. Uh, you know, my mom and daddy grew up, you know, they, they had been children and they would talk about their experiences, and I'd be laughing, Daddy, what you know about that? And he'd just smile and say, you think I haven't been a child? You think I haven't been a young man? You don't think I know what you're doing? Boy, <laughs> what you trying, I did years ago. The game you trying to play, I already played it. 
and I got the t-shirt to prove it. And his t-shirt was an undershirt. <laughs> One of the old men undershirts. <laughs> but he had, he had it. He had the experience. And he understood. And sometimes they would warn us. Don't go too far now. You know, there was certain things we, we know that we couldn't do. Because if word got back home, we knew that we were going to be in trouble. You know, mama would say things like, don't, don't embarrass me. Don't let nobody call me. Because if somebody in the community called and the word got home that you had cut up in church or in public or you had done something that was embarrassing to the family, that was a cost to pay. And so consequently, while much of the time we didn't have to pay that price, that penalty, the possibility of it was there to be a discourager. And that's what Solomon is doing here by telling us as youth. And see, there's a whole lot of youth who are past the age of youth. We're not talking about a chronological age here because, see, I still don't feel like I'm an old man. Even though the signs of time say different. Age is but a number. I remember, man, when I used to think people who were 50 were old. Until I turned 49. <laughs> Then I realized 50 wasn't but a number, baby. And then I thought people who were 60 was old until I turned 59 and a half. <laughs> then I realized 60 wasn't a number. I ain't going no higher, but I, I'll stay out of that. But I am older than that. But as each passing year, I've been able to slide the number scale up a little bit because I still feel levels of energy. It makes me feel that I can still do. Hello. But you got to be one. You got to be aware that judgment is going to come. And one day you're going to stand before God and you're going to have to give an account for the deeds done in the body, whether they be good or whether they be bad. And that's straight talk. That's real talk. And so it's supposed to be there to be a discourager to let you know it's only so far you can go. Have a good time, but don't go too far. Somebody need to tell America's youth, have a good time, but don't go too far. But it's a little late for some because they have gone overboard. And so the second thing that Solomon says, look at what, what, it, what he says in verse 10. He said, have a good time. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth. That's verse 9. In verse 10, he says, therefore, remove sorrow from your heart. In other words, you got to remove sorrow and evil. You got to be aware. There's something you need to get rid of. And there's too many young people who are playing with things that are far more dangerous than they understand. And the number one thing that young people are playing with that's far too dangerous are guns. Can I be honest with you? I mean, even little kids around talking about guns. And I'll be honest with you. We accidentally uncovered one here. We have a child development center, ages zero through four. And one day I got a call saying, you need to come around here. I go to the child development center and they present me a book bag. I open a book bag, it's a Glock in there, the three-year-old. I called this folk. I said, I said, before I call the police, I need to give you an opportunity to tell me what, what this is. 
And the father said, uh, oh, that, it wasn't his fault. He says, mine. He said, we went to a family outing yesterday, which was on the weekend. And, and we had his book bag, and I put all of my stuff in his book bag. And, and I didn't clean it out this morning before he went to school. But look at what could have happened. The book bag could have dropped and the gun discharged. And innocent people, man, how in the world would I be able to explain to somebody else's mama what has happened to their child? Do you understand? And do you understand that there are children who are carrying these things to school? Do you understand that they are mimicking what they see displayed in the public? That people today have no regard for human lives. That they ride down the street just openly shooting at one another like this was the Wild West. And now people in, in gun control and other things like that want to give people more access to have automatic weapons to take them more down. You don't need that much. The young people glorify it. I remember, you know what I remember when I was a boy? What guys would glorify? Guys had a bill folder. And they would have, when they were in high school, they have something that had a round circle on it. <laughs> and they would have that their billfold, and they would show that, you know, like it was a badge of honor. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but not today. Not today. Everybody want to pull back their coattail so you can see that they're packing, that they're carrying. You know, I grew up in an area, I wasn't perfect. I grew up around fellas that fought, but everybody had a knife, <laughs> a case. They clicked, they clicked. We, didn't, we didn't click the knife and, you know, knew how to play around with it, make it look good. But it wasn't hard to nobody getting cut. It was just something to have. <laughs> but not today. Not today. Fashions have gone overboard. I mean, man, one time I was in, in the school, man, a girl came to school one day, she had orange hair. And I said, girl, what you doing with orange hair? I said, let me get your mama up here. And her mama came up there, and she had orange hair. I said, what am I going to say? <laughs> you know? How are we going to fix this? How are we going to address this? There are some things you got to remove. Listen, may I help you understand that your youth are days that are valuable, but they are also foundational years where things can be done to you that you got to be careful about. And let me just come on. Be, this is real talk. This is straight. Girls seem to be maturing faster. Their bodies are developing. Breasts are sprouting. Butts are jumping. And everything else is happening. And then you want to wag it in front of these old men. And they, they are, they're taking you up on it. And you got to understand, guys, you're not safe either. Because people are doing things to young boys. And boys are being introduced at much earlier ages to homosexual behavior. And as a result, what you don't understand is that a deep root of scarring that can take place in your youth that you won't be able to shake out. Those old tapes will go off over and over and over again and you can't shut them down. You can't take enough medicine. You can't take enough pills to be able to wipe out what happened to you when you were 12 and 13 years old. 
So there are things you have to remove from your life. You have to remove gun violence. You have to remove uh, promiscuity lifestyles and other kinds of things like that. Yes, it makes sense when mom and them said, put something on your bottom. Cover yourself. Protect yourself. Because the truth is, advertisement does pay. <laughs> Hello, somebody. And, and men, men are men and going to continue to be men. At every age, man, Boswell, the, the radar still works. It just don't work like it did when you were young. When you were young, the radar go beep, 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 beep. Now it go beep. <laughs> beep. 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 But it works. And I called his name because I know he could have it. Amen. But I'm just, I'm just saying, it's, it's, it's true. Y'all, it's, it's happening in every form of society. It's happening in church. Yes, it, the Catholic Church has covered it for years. How they take young boys and, and they would do things. And now one of the great scandals is raging in this country concerning P. Diddy and others. I won't even get into all of that stuff. But you know what I'm telling you. And you know that this is real talk. And somebody's got to say it. Because as long as we're sweeping it under the rug, as long as we're being quiet about it, the, the devil has a field day. He comes but to steal, kill, and to destroy. And as long as the pulpit is silent about it, you know, what is it going to be? Nobody's going to say anything at home. They can't say anything at school. Somebody's got to tell the truth. And I'm saying that young people, the days of your youth are important, but they can be some deeply scarring days if you're not careful. And if you've got to know the difference between good touches and bad touches, and when you're uncomfortable in situations, you've got to learn how to get out of there. You've got to learn how to leave. I remember once, man, when we were younger, man, I had a brother, got several brothers, but I had one that's just old me, old me. You know, guys used to come around, hey, man, come on, ride with me, ride with me. This particular day, the boy didn't go. And he stayed at home. For whatever reason, he stayed at home. Later on, we discovered that there had been a robbery. And the boys that were involved were the very boys that had come by to pick him up. And God, God will preserve you, but you got to be willing sometimes to say, hey, look, I, ain't, I can't hang today. I'm going in a different direction. There's a different field. See, you got something inside of you. God has built it in you. It's called discernment. You'll understand that later as a spiritual gift, but right now it's called reading people. God give you this intuitive nature to be able to understand when something is up. Now, if you want to be kidding, let me put it in your language. Spider-Man used to say, my spider senses are tingling. There's something on the inside. If it was in a spider, you know it's in a human being. God will let you know when trouble is on the line. There'll be something that will stir up on the inside of you that says it's time for me to change this scene. So you got to remove evil from your flesh. You got to move things that will cause you sorrow and will cause other people sorrow. Predators out here, man. Boys and girls. And they're not all your age. And there are some who are deliberately doing things. And yeah, for you older teens and you older young adults and older ladies and things like that, you got to be careful. 
I know you like to go out. I know you like to socialize, but you better not leave your drink unattended. Hello, somebody. Because they're putting date rape drugs in and everything else. And I know a girl who lost her mind was never again the same. She went to a party. She left her drink and somebody put something in it. And it just changed and shattered her entire life. And that's real talk. I ended up doing her funeral. So I know what I'm telling you. So, so there are some things you ought to rejoice. Yes, rejoice in the youth. Rejoice. God wants you to enjoy the energy, the youthfulness, the gleefulness, the, the moves, and all of the stuff you got. But don't go too far. There are some things you got to remove, not only some activities, but some, there are some people you got to get rid of your life. People come to your life for a reason, and some come for a season. And it might be time to say, your season is up. It might be time to say, hit the road, Jack. And don't you come back. No more, no more, no more. Not only must you learn to rejoice, learn that there are some things to remove, but look at the third R. He says in verse 1 of chapter 12, remember. Remember now thy creator in the days of your youth. It's not too early to become a Christian. You're not too young to become a Christian. I know I don't care what school you're in, I don't care what age you are, most people who become Christians become Christians before they turn 17. And that's the truth. It really is. The, the, the generation that's called a hip-hop culture today, the 18, the 25, the 18, the 30 year is the most unreached population in all of North America with the gospel. Because they don't get it at school, they don't get it at home, and they don't come to church. And as a result, there is nowhere. And you know what Jesus said? Well, Apostle Paul wrote it like this. How can they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear unless there be a preacher, a messenger, somebody to give that word? But you got to be in hearing distance. And you know what people do today? If they don't like your message, buddy, they defriend you. So young people today are in trouble. And we have got to be willing to share the truth with our sons, with our daughters, with our children, with grandchildren, with our neighbors, with our friends. We've got to have family talk. We used to have those family talk. Daddy would put everybody out and say, now y'all got to leave now. I want to talk to my family. And, 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 you know, we used to get mad. Daddy, that seemed a little rude, but he knew what he was doing. He'd pull us in and talk to us and tell us things we needed to know. And sometimes we got to do that. We just got to have straight talk, real talk sessions are needed today more than ever. Got to tell the girls the truth. Got to tell the boys the truth. Got to tell the young adults the truth. Because young adults grow up, they might have escaped the first wave, but there's another wave that's waiting. Don't you know the higher you go, every level you go to, there's a new devil waiting? So we got to, you don't, you, don't, you don't escape. We have to talk straight about it and tell, tell the truth. Solomon said, remember now thy creator in the days of your youth. Man, while your heart is tender, 
why there's a willingness to accept the gospel and not question the word of God and to believe the gospel and to become rooted and grounded in your faith. You need balance in your life. Yes, you need some fun, but you need some Jesus because Jesus will keep you balanced. When you go too far, he'll be there to pull you back. When you want to run, when I was in the far country and wanted to get away, it was the voice of my old pastor. It really was the Holy Spirit, but I didn't know the Holy Spirit then. And I heard the voice of him speaking so clearly into my ear. And it pulled me out of a Buddhist worship service. And from that point on, I turned my face again to God. And I declared at that point, Lord, if you save me this time. I'm just telling you. So you got to come up with it. You got to have it in you. That word, you've heard it said many times. That word, have I hid where? In my heart, in my mind. Why? I might not sin against thee. It becomes the, the guard. becomes the guide. And I know the fellows here, Pastor, you're ranking my game. No, I'm not ranking your game. I'm trying to give you some game. This is the real game that you need. The real game is to be a man, to be a Christian. What turns people on is authenticity. Authenticity in yourself, knowing who you are and confident that you are a man, that you are a man of God who stands on something, who stands about principle and right and truthfulness. And if people can't respect that, they don't need to be with you. You don't have to come with all this craziness. Just be real. But you need Jesus to be real because without him, you're going to be phony. You're going to be a fake. You're going to lie and you're going to cheat and you're going to do other things that you should not do. So you got to remember now, get Jesus in your life during the days of your youth, during this time where you're having a good time, where you got all of that energy. The last art I want to give you just briefly so that I don't run out of time before I give it to you is you got to reflect. You, you got to reflect on what's coming. See, what, what else is there in life? You, you're not going to stay young all of your life. You're not going to be a youth, but just so long. And those years are going to run past you. And before you know it, you're going to look up. And you're going to see yourself different. You already see yourself different. I mean, from one year to the next, man, feet start growing. You got to get a different kind of shoe. You got to move out of the training bras now. And you got to come into something different. You got to look at how your life and body is developing. And it's telling you, you are changing every day. And you're not going to be a youth. You're not going to be a child always. So what is it that I'm to reflect on? Solomon says you, you need to reflect before the evil days draw nigh. He's He's... Now about to give an analogy of the aging process. And he's calling the aging process the evil days. And he's saying that in those days you're not going to have any pleasure in them. Because life changes. Yeah, and he goes on to describe the, the various body parts and their functions as you grow older. He talks about those keepers. Once was steady and strong, but then as you grow older, they'll begin to tremble. Oh, my my life is a witness. Boy, I, I, I could stand steady. I could hold a bow and arrow. I could hold a rifle, a pistol, or whatever. But today, man, I wouldn't trust it in my hand. 
Because I might be looking this way, it may end up over there. I'm just saying the truth to you now. This is real talk. Real talk. You look at other people and sometimes you see them and you laugh at them. You make fun at them. And you don't even know why. You don't even know what has happened. Different things. Muscle can become degenerate. Any number of issues can take place underneath the skin that could cause people's bodies to function a little different. Those strong men, those legs, man, I once was a, a hurdler. I could run the 120-yard low hurdles and jump over hurdles and beat most everybody until I went to Legion Field for the city track meet. Then I found out I wasn't a track star, but a track stir. <laughs> and it was, came out the tone, man, and I jumped across the first hurdle. I was in first place. Well, I hit that second hurdle. And by the time we got to the tape, I was in seventh place. There were seven people running. <laughs> and everybody else was two hurdles in front of me. <laughs> so I learned something. These legs, man, that were once strong, I won the triple jump. Man, high jump, all of that. I can't jump nowhere now. I can't even run now. Because if I run, old injuries will cause my knees to swell. And so I just learned how to take my time and walk. But life will change. That's what Solomon is saying, that life is going to change, that your body is going to change. The doors uh, that you look out, the windows that you used to go out into the street, they're going to close. Your eyelids, man, are going to get dim. And a lot of people in here wear glasses today that didn't used to wear glasses. Used to could see 2020, you know, but now you can't see it all. All right, look, I got these glasses up here, man. They ain't up here just for decoration. I was vain for a long time and was trying to read the scripture without them. And one day I said, boy, what's wrong with you? Recognize the fact that you can't see these words and put some things on your eyes so that you can see. And I put them glasses on and the words said, doing. Life will change. That beautiful hair that you had, it was once slick and black. Yes, it's Lord, it's going to change. The color of it going to change. Uh-huh, it's going to turn white. You might not want nobody to know it for real is white. So you might put another color to it and make it whatever, but it's going to change. It is. Those grinders are going to cease, those teeth. Thank God for modern day dentistry. <laughs> because if it wasn't for partials and dentures and things like that, we would be messed up. Would nobody be in church smiling? Everybody be sitting in church. Going <laughs> well, because of modern day dentistry, we can smile. And even black people. Man, when they get something up there, they want to do it their own style. They want to make the teeth gold. <laughs> want to put sparkles on them and diamonds and make them stars. All in their mouth. Man, you're supposed to be trying to eat. <laughs> but, but, but that's what's going to happen. And he gives a description there in, in those verses, all the way down to verse 7, of the aging process. And guess what? And following aging comes death. And the truth is, real talk, 
one day you're going to die. You, you may not like to think about it. You may not like to talk about it. But your own human mortality is certain. Unless Jesus returns before that time of your life expires, you're going to die. And, and, and you have to understand that. You, 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 you have to understand that. Man, I've, I've been doing a lot of funerals of late. And every time we go to the funeral, to the cemetery, man, and I'm standing there and looking over in that place. It's just a stark reminder that whatever good that's got to be done has got to happen before then. Because when you come to that moment, it is too late. So whatever contribution, whatever enjoyment you're going to have, you have to learn how to do it now. You have to take advantage of now. You have to run now. You have to have a good time now. But don't go too far. Don't be so foolish that you fill your life with evil and foolish things that cause yourself sorrow and cause other people sorrow. Don't scar yourself for the rest of your life trying to undo and reverse the curse and trying to... Get yourself, figure out what made me do that, what made me go there, what made me allow myself to give in to that. I'm telling you, it's real and it's unshakable. And so you got to do what you can to enjoy your life. Now, that's real talk. God has given us time. He's given us enough time. He's still giving us energy. All the energy is not gone. You can still do some things. You can still enjoy yourself. You know, one time I was thinking about retiring, thinking about letting it go and all, and I was talking to a guy, man, a friend of mine, and he said to me, he said, uh, he asked me my age, I told him my age, he said, oh, you can't retire. I said, why not? He said, because you have more wisdom now than you ever had. He said, you might not have the energy that you once used to have, but you have more understanding and sense about what you're doing. And so you need to stand in place. And so I just want you to know, whoever you are, whatever age you are, God is not through with you yet. 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 There is still usefulness. There is still a wealth of knowledge and understanding that he's blessed you with that you have to release. And you have to use what God has given you. For those of you who are young, I'm closing the real talk now. This is straight. But you got to do it now. You got to surrender your heart to God. And you can't withhold anything. You got to give Him your best. You got to give Him your time. You got to give Him your soul. You got to give Him your effort. You got to give Him your all. And if you do it now and withhold nothing, you'll be glad you did. You'll have a longer time to walk with God, you'll have a longer time to enjoy the fellowship. You'll have more time to see the miracles of God and to see the blessing of God, to see the seas open and the Jordan rivers parted and the manna falls from heaven. You'll have longer time to see what God would do with your life. We're holding nothing. That's our invitation now. We're going to open now the doors of the church and tell you this is your moment. Listen at this song. That's what God wants you to do. Surrender everything to him. Everything I give to you. Tell me about it, Will. Withholding nothing. Withholding nothing. I 
everything, everything. Today, this is a great time to just come and tell God that I give you my life. I'm not holding nothing back. I'm giving me you. And whatever you want to make of me, whatever you want to do with me, God, here I am. This is your moment. Until we don't have nothing else to give. And as much as he gives us life and breath and energy and strength, there's still something that is to be given. Hey friends, this is your friend again, Dr. Michael Wesley, Senior Pastor of Greater Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama. And I'm back again to talk about this book. We've introduced this book to you before, and we want to tell you a little bit more about it today. We want to talk today about the impact that materials can have. All of us are impacted by something. 
We're impacted by experiences. We're impacted by things that we have heard and seen and experienced in our life. And this book really shares a lot of the impact that has been made in my life through 48 years or 45 years of being married, 50 years of being with the same lady. And I tell you, when I first got married, there were a lot of things I just did not know. But over the years and over the times, I've gained tremendous insights. And I've written down those insights and made them available in this book. Friends, in addition to the book that we have been discussing, So You Want to Be Married, I've also been fortunate enough to share insight and impact through other books that we have written. The first book that we ever wrote was When God Changes a Church, It Becomes the Church for the Unchurch. The second book is a very important book, Pathways to Church Growth, Reaching the Unchurched. And the third book, Everybody Deserves a Good Funeral. I've seen so many funerals, I've participated in quite a number, and there are mistakes sometimes that are made. This book gives great insight and comfort to those who are going through the process. And finally, the book that we're featuring today, So You Want to Be Married. Follow the prompts on the screen and find out how these impactful books may also impact your life. Friends, this is Michael Wesley, Senior Pastor of Greater Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama. We really appreciate all of the love and support that you have shown to us through these broadcasts. We've been hearing from people and our friends all over, and we want you to pray about being a supporter and a prayer partner and a supporter of this television ministry. If you believe the Holy Spirit has ministered the Word of God to you and you'd like to see this ministry continue and to share it with your friends, please consider being a supporter. Follow the prompts on the screen. We would love to hear from you.